You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. The Trek Files, Season 8, Episode 13. Fan Letter to Michael Eisner, March 7th, 1978. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Hey, welcome back, Star Trek fans, all of you Star Trek historians. We have a good one for you today. Uh, And yet something that's, uh, you know, the thing about history is it applies to today as well as in days past and the future. And that's what we're going to be diving into today. It's something that I know all of you, you Trek heads, you tech heads, you canonistas, I say that lovingly. And of course, just all you Trekophiles spell with an F in general. Um, Boy, I read this. It's from so long ago, and yet it is so relevant to today. So enough talk. Take a look at the document this week on our Facebook page, as usual. Facebook.com slash The Trek Files. Now, here's an audio sample, but come right back. We'll talk about the whole letter, and you'll meet my special guest this week. You have the marvelous opportunity of showing us a possible future. Toffler wrote in Future Shock that science fiction should be required reading for the future since it is a mind-stretching force for the creation of the habit of anticipation, an imaginative exploration of the jungle of political, social, psychological, and ethical issues we will face. There you go. Yes, Trekophiles, we've got a fan letter this week. But not a fan letter to Gene or to Star Trek or to Dorothy. He's actually writing to Michael Eisner. Now, you may know Mike Eisner in connection with Disney Studios all the years since 1978, the date of this letter. But remember at the time, Mike Eisner was part of Diller's Killers. He was he was part of the hierarchy of Paramount Pictures that was eventually going to spread out and take over Hollywood. But at the moment, they were all concerned with what this crazy Star Trek movie would finally be after the studio and fans, right, had been waiting to see how this this drama would come out and how Star Trek would return. So, I don't know, this letter spoke to me. Does it speak to you? Somebody else I think it speaks to is, well, you know him from Mission Log and Mission Log Live. He also produces this show. Hey, get in here. (laughs) John Champion, does this letter say anything to you beyond just, you know, another fan talking? I really felt like it spoke to our times (laughs) again. It it it, it, spe- it says so much about the the kind of the totality of the Star Trek fan experience, and I, I think what's interesting is that you know for fifty plus years, Star Trek fans have sort of been that archetype of the super involved, uh, uh, you know, really passionate fans who express Mm -hmm. their fandom. Famously, the letter writing campaign. Famously, uh, you know, creating conventions out of whole cloth. Um, And now you fast forward to the early 21st century and this sort of fan interaction, fan discussion, fan demands right. have really leaked over into everything. And and all you have to do is go online and read what Star Wars fans think about Star Wars and Marvel fans think about Marvel. And of course, the modern day 
iterations of Star Trek and how fans express their pleasure or their outrage <laughs> over the things that uh, that appear in those. So th this is, as you aptly said in your introduction, th this is one of those letters that really show you how much things have changed. They have stayed the exactly. same. Exactly, exactly, which yeah. I love about that. And, and I know sometimes we talk about... Um, you know, we talk about the angry edge of fandom and, and that kind of thing. But it really, to me, it's like a spectrum. Basically, if people didn't care, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be talking about this. Yeah. And sometimes right. that that leads into a spectrum somewhere between, you know, anger on the far end. But just you can't help it. People love something enough and they're they're concerned about the future, new iterations, you know, just basic anxiety sometimes. It's like, have I loved this so yeah. much over the years and now it's going to be changed? <laughs> and it doesn't always come out in a big negative. Sometimes it's all turned inward and they get a little anxious. And that's really where I think our letter writer today was coming from, Susan Lack. She's yeah. she's not being outrageous and demanding. She's just saying, please, please don't. We love you. We love having it back. But please don't yeah, mess it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah. There, there's nothing uh, angry or or hateful about this uh, this letter. But I, I think what's interesting is that well, first of all, it is a letter to Michael Eisner. Right. So this is somebody who isn't writing to Gene Roddenberry. They they aren't you know like our fun fan letters aren't writing it generically to Mister Star Trek. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, this is somebody who has actually done a little bit of digging to figure out in 1978. Who is the person who is pulling the strings when it comes to production at Paramount? Yeah. So, A, you know, that that is a, a really interesting place to start this letter. And B, it really is this, it is very thoughtful, it is very detailed, um, but it is this sort of like helpful guidance saying, mm -hmm. here's what I get out of Star Trek. Here are the opportunities for Star Trek. And and as you said, please don't screw it up. Right. You know? Well, and just, to, just yeah. to refresh at this point, Eisner is the president of the film side. So Barry Diller was overall Paramount. He was uh, yeah. he was um, president of Paramount Pictures he, from 76 to 84. He left when Diller left, and he didn't get promoted to head of the whole corporation. So he left for other pastures, and that's when he wound up at Disney and had his, what, 30 years yeah. there. So, yeah, yeah. it's interesting, yeah. number one, that so she's writing to him, so she's a thoughtful fan, and she's trying to spread mm -hmm. her powder, right? Like, why write to Gene? He knows what we think, and he's he's in the battle himself. <laughs> right. It's also interesting that this right. letter wound up in Gene's files, if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, so, yeah, so you, you can only assume that Michael Eisner thought, hey, th this is thoughtful enough, it, it's... Um, it is serious enough that the guy who is creating Star Trek should read it too. Mm -hmm. So I had to have passed along a, a copy of that to Gene. Well, this is so, a this yeah. looks to be an original. It's on Berkshire typing, you know, when, uh, onion, it onion does, paper, yeah, and it yeah. was stapled yeah. at the top. I'm getting really forensic yeah. here, but we don't have a right, we didn't have right. anything attached to this when we found it. So you know, we yeah. can only guess, but it obviously came from his office over to Gene. And and yeah. she yeah she just lays it out a very thoughtful course she's she's bringing in the other big guns here she's mentioning you know Star Wars and Close Encounters and all that but as we've done ever since she's trying to differentiate for maybe the uninitiated here um, yeah. what separates Star Trek from all the rest well and, and I was to say what what's really important about the fact that this made it from Michael Eisner's desk to Gene's desk I mean look there is one way to look at it and say he was busy however many executive assistants he had at the time they saw something that was about star trek and they were like okay this is irrelevant <laughs> give it to the star trek guy all right so that 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 is one sort right. of way to look at it but the the other way to look at it is to go you know what 
if somebody in Eisner's office read this, maybe even Eisner himself said, ooh, this is actually the kind of thought that we agree with. Therefore, it needs to go to the guy who is charged with creating the next Star Trek movie. So, you know, that that's very possible here that there was some some actual thought given to the path then that this letter took. You know, I, I like to think that for uh, for Susan, that this is one of those rare fan letters that actually did make it to the top and uh, and somebody took it seriously enough to say, oh, no, no, you should read this, too. Right. Because we're looking you at know. this March 78. They're 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 working on the script. They've they've made the decision to go with the movie. Uh, they're in that vein. And the word is that, in fact, I think we've talked about this before. Her initial incident here, her, her opening statement is talking about the Paramount survey of Star Trek fans and something about it came out and she's saying, and you found only 13 year olds. So she's starting off writing out of concern that you're only looking at the kids and saying, yeah, hey, I'm 31, yeah. not 13, right? Right. And, and go backwards from that, then you have to assume that Susan was a college student when the original series was mm-hmm. airing. So here you have this just prime audience, this prime opportunity for somebody to be inspired by the original series and really take it to heart. I would like to think that Susan went to you know those early conventions and networked with other fans and maybe was mm-hmm. a part of that letter writing campaign. Who knows? She's there in the Bay Area. Yeah. She's going to be you know connected yeah. into the West Coast cons, but she's very much there's almost a little bit of a uh yes thank you star wars and close encounters and sci-fi boom for getting us to this point with a star trek movie but hello i was there before star wars it's like remember the initial (laughs) wave of trek people that was me and it's interesting how she brings in her field nursing in and she kind of takes it as a it's almost like she also goes into a list of you know don't before you just go with the gee whiz wham bang movie think of all the things star trek could get into including what one of my topics that I love to see explored sometime, which I don't think has still yet really been addressed, is the Federation Terran dominated? Is there any resentment? Mm. I've always loved to say how the, the council and the president's office are both on Earth and the academy is there. And so, I mean, there are campuses around, but all the headquarters yeah. of things are on Earth. So, but, you know, is that a theme that's worth exploring? But she brings that up here and then she turns it to her own her own uh, uh, yeah she talks about the feminist angle here can we update the approach there and then she talks about hey look even in my field nursing look how far we've come in 10 years what you can get into so uh, she's full of ideas here for (laughs) for Mr. Eisner Yeah, well, and just think about how close Susan is here in this letter to the other memos that we've seen floating around from the time, particularly from Susan Sackett, I believe, Mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, even some from Dorothy that, that had the same tone that said, all right, if we're creating this new Star Trek, um, particularly when we get to next gen, but, but even in this period in the late seventies, we need to make sure that we are paying attention to things like the role of women on the Enterprise. <laughs> what is their job there? Not just are they sitting there to say hailing frequencies open. So Susan is definitely not out of line. <laughs> and yes, doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Not out of line with other, what other fans are thinking, but what with mm-hmm. people on the inside are thinking too. Um, and I think that's partly, uh, uh, you know, just sort of a conversation that is happening in the public sphere anyway, but it is also very much from a creative standpoint how they're reshaping what Star Trek will look like for yeah. a new generation. And as we, you know. as we keep famously saying every Star Trek is a product of its time, the 60s, mm. the original series was so groundbreaking, but look at what she's saying here 10 years later. And again, we're not to the whole 
you know, the ensemble era of Hill Street Blues and L.A. Law and, and, and what that brought to the next generation, how the next generation was, yeah. a, was a shade different. But here she is saying, hey, we can get into questions like just what is the crew like off duty? You know, do, yeah. I like do they think about anything besides being killed on landing parties? Do they have families? And, and do they have, do they have yeah, families? Do they have yeah, I mean, what, what what a perfect way to then look at. All right, this this these are legitimate conversations, legitimate questions, and this is the kind of thing that is worth exploring, particularly when you have the luxury of a whole series coming up for a movie. Now, obviously, she's writing with this. You know, we're in this sort of nebulous period. Is it going to be a TV mm-hmm. show? Is it going to be a movie? Then it's a movie again. And some of the It'll asks be a series are, after a movie. Right, right, yeah. right. right. And, and, and some of those asks are a little bit difficult. You know, what will Earth be like? How does a federation of planets function? Uh, how does the economic system work? I mean, of course, these are things that fans kicked around forever and ever, and we still don't have really solid they still answers do. at all. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and that's not necessarily the kind of thing you would get deeply into in a single movie, uh, but certainly these are the things that, that always sit there in the background of any discussion about Star Trek, that people just want to know more. They want to know the details of this idealized future, because going back to Toffler, that's mm-hmm how you then envision the future. That is how you stretch your imagination to eventually make those things happen. Uh, and we're talking beyond things like cell phones and, and uh, tablets and uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. hypodermic. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it. what really struck me about this letter was we're living in a time, I, you know, as we record this, Strange New Worlds is around the bend. But just to, to leave this mm. timeless, we're in a time when every... Every 10, 12 weeks, there's a new Star Trek rolling out or a new season of a Star <laughs> Trek rolling out. And right. there's always a little ripple of anxiety that way, like, what will the next thing be like? And, you know, there is a track record building up here of what we might call the Kurtzmera, right? Secret hideout. Yeah. But um, but fans always, they have questions. There's an excitement. It's, it's a little bit like butterflies when you're going on stage, you know, like it's a little stage fright that you're channeling to something for the good. And everyone's a little expectatious about what the new show will be and did they get it right and if they get it wrong in the beginning can they fix it as they go along and but by the way the guy next to me is going to disagree with what i think is wrong you know or the girl next to me is going to think differently anyway so well that, there her, you go her, and, and her that, wrap that, up is what gets to me here about that she's saying yeah, just yeah, don't that, pander. that ultimately yeah that ultimately is the question that that i think is really interesting about letters like this and the dialogue today which is what is that line between what is appropriate for a fandom to ask for or to expect versus how much do we leave the creators alone to create the thing that they have been charged to do? And it, this is one of those letters that falls very neatly in that in that realm of, well, look, this is somebody who's thoughtful, who cares, who can string sentences together in a way that makes sense and, and that we want to read. Yes. But at the same time, is it really up to the fans to ask for what they think they want out of the next thing? Because you ask a hundred other fans and they'll have a hundred different answers. Um, but ultimately, yes, this last paragraph here is saying, don't make it Star Wars. Right. She's saying, <laughs> don't know? just pander to yeah. whatever you perceived. And she's, you know, she's not talking, this is not a series, it's a movie. She's not talking mm-hmm. to a hands-on yeah. creator. She's talking to the guy who's who's writing the checks. Right, writing the checks. Right, right, right. <laughs> right yeah. And has the ultimate yeah. decision on what's ha- what happens, what's the budget, and all of that. 
and and yeah. can influence things and just you know she's almost doing an exploratory scouting mission here a psyche you know it's like in case yeah. you hadn't thought yeah. of this here are all the things to consider but bottom line is please 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 don't pander and just make it uh, you know sci-fi boom movie uh, keep please yeah. help keep it Star Trek and uh, that's that's no, series or movie that's a lot of what fans carry with them all the time and she's being very you know very eloquent and very broad based about it and uh, yeah I'm still amazed the fact that she wrote to Eisner which tells yeah. a lot about where she's coming from and the fact that yeah Gene wound up with it and and, um, and then I made it to Gene yeah and it just yeah. and she's speaking to everybody today there are plenty of us out here waiting for a movie slash series that's thought provoking as well as entertaining. A movie that will show us what a tiny TV screen never really could. Well, we have cinematic TV now, so what can that tiny yeah. screen with an AR wall, <laughs> you right, know, right. what can they do yeah. for us today and uh, and show us? So anyway, I, th- this is I love it when we can find something in the in the files that really speaks to you know something that's never really changed, or especially yeah. to today. And, um, I, and Susan, if you're out there, write to us. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Susan, we'd love to hear from you as well as anybody who's ever in a fan letter that we, we bring up on the show. Uh, yeah. yeah. John, listen, thanks for taking time. And um, again, it, the times we're living in right now with our new Star Treks, this this one just really spoke to me. It sounds like it spoke so to you. So reflective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks again. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. All of our documents and your chance to comment are available at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Now, for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. Yes, that's me at LarryNimacek.com. That's where you can also link in for all the new Trek files, swag, and shirts at our Tee Public shop, too. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.rottenberry.com.